lightning rod. Yeah, yeah. It's crunchy yeah. and salty. Mm-hmm. Actually went well. Yeah. Very popular. Uh, so good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? Good. Doing good. Good. Great. Thanks. Let's talk about green concrete today. And before we jump into the the topic of green concrete, I'm going to do an introduction and let's do it um, chronologically. So Max, you get to go first. Hey, uh, my name is Max Morgan. I'm a sales rep with Granite Rock on the concrete side. Been working here full time since 2016. Zach Booth, um, sales manager for concrete. Been working here since 2002. Mike McGrath, the concrete division manager, and been with the company since 2005. Great. So we're going to be talking about green concrete today. By way of kind of giving the folks a primer, can somebody give us a little bit of United States Green Building Council lead and um, just what is the role that concrete plays in a green building? Uh, Concrete is... um can play a lot of roles in a green building. Um, you can get real creative with it and, and make it as um, very, very green and reduce the carbon footprint of the whole project in general. Um, on top of that, it's um, for uh, for Granite Rock. It's a locally. It's it can score local points for for lead certs and um, things of that nature. Yeah. Um, what do the What do the folks need to know about lead? What does lead stand for? And and Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design. Um, <laughs> Zach, so it's, it's, it's been a few been, years since Zach was taking that years. course. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I know this gets edited out. I'm glad that it's a lifetime cert. <laughs> <laughs> I, all, I concur. So. <laughs> I took it before you did. Um, so uh, let's see. Let's talk about the evolution of green concrete. Um, and specifically, I'm thinking about environmental product declarations. When did they come about? Where are they at today? And what do people need to know about them? I would say we've probably s- seen those, Zach, you and Max probably got a feel, but the last five or so years, probably the EPDs, kind of rough time frame, um, where those have become more and more prevalent. Um, and I always think of it like your nutritional uh, guideline on your can of soda or your bag of chips, right? So doing that for for your concrete mix design so that's i think a little bit of of the timeline and kind of ten thousand feet um what it is specific for granite rock we have the capability of of doing that for all of our mixed designs which is good um with most of our constituents so not every single constituent that we could possibly use but the vast majority of what we put into our concrete we're able to, to to do that and um you know the good thing for us with our our internal granite rock quality aggregates um, those being local that obviously helps us in terms of our epd score or you know where our epds um, stand Um, big impact to those recently in our market has been uh, locally sourced cement has gone away so you know there used to be a plant in davenport and there used to be one in cupertino uh, where they mined and made cement Um, those have gone by the wayside so there's much more imported cement um both domestic and um, and internationally, so so that has a big impact on on how quote unquote green or how well our EPDs um, look. But that's true for the market as a whole, not just just granite rock. Yeah. Um, so uh, this idea of a, a, a total carbon footprint, and a lot of it has to do with um, uh, 
buying local or as local as you can get. And uh, we've got the tagline, Distance Matters. Um, it really plays uh, into um, how, how green um, any product is, but concrete in particular. So, um, Mike, why don't you say another word or two about um, the supply chain and where it's at today? Yeah, well, everybody, you know, in America is feeling our pain on supply chain issues, whether it's, you know, trying to get a new bed for your kids to ordering something online. So everybody can can relate to this, but specific for our industry, it's it's become very, very top of mind, you know, things that keep us up at night and and really a lot of that is is based around this cement piece and you know local domestic spent cement specific to the bay area is you know cement's no longer made right within within a 90 mile 150 mile radius of us even further out um, so a lot of cement is being imported into ports uh, throughout the bay area and up into the, the sacramento area um, so that's really changed you can imagine the logistics when you could look up into the you know santa cruz mountains and see where your cement was coming from right it gives you a lot more warm and fuzzy than uh, a product that's coming from asia or mexico that has to get on a ship and travel um, get into ports that are that are jam-packed and look like highway 85 more times than not so all those type of challenges um, create logistical issues for us that you know we rely on those materials to to supply our customers and our customers rely on us so it's uh it's a lot more complicated a lot more time consuming a lot more um, things can go wrong uh, when you add all those factors in so so supply chain specific to um, to the concrete business is really wrapped around around that piece of it fortunate for us again with with our rock and it's not to keep hammering on it but with our rock being local and rail served even if there's an issue with the rail we're close enough where we can truck it um, as opposed to some other aggregate sources that um, that come in on a barge. Yeah. Um, so along those supply um, issues, one follow-up question, was that um, kids' bed thing a personal that experience? That is, yeah. We're still, <laughs> yeah, we're still waiting. Still waiting on the kids' bed? <laughs> TV, <laughs> arrival date, TBD. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Um, and are this, our supply issues... Um, impacting the supplemental cementitious materials that as well so you can imagine right fly ash comes from um, coal burning power plants um, and you know within you know within my lifetime for sure and career at granite rock there will not be many of those those plants still still running right yeah. and we've we've seen quite a few of those go offline so you can imagine each time one goes offline shrinks the supply um, and does does make it um, tougher to get those materials fortunate um, you know at least for calendar year 2022 and and looking into a little bit of 2023 we don't see really any huge shortfall there as far as supply um, but long-term fly ash um, likely won't be a part of of the ready mix business and slag is a challenge to get to right through this slag is as well again uh, import piece most of the west coast gets theirs um, out of asia so you can imagine with that um, fortunately not not really pulling those plants offline per se but still challenges anytime you're um, you know bringing a material across the pacific ocean yeah um not to get too geeky and i'm not sure this will make the cut but um are there other supplemental cementitious materials and um 
and maybe there's going to be a demand for them in the future. So anybody have an answer for other supplemental semen dishes? Yeah, there's go for it. There's other ones. Uh, there's natural pozzolans, um, but usually that's just dependent on your proximity to it. So for us, there's nothing really close by, yeah. uh-huh. which doesn't make sense now. But if something goes away, it might make sense. Yes. Um, everyone's toying around with different stuff. I've heard of um, rice hole ash. Oh, interesting. Um, I know there's challenges with feasibility, just from yeah. water demand. But um, there's there's other items out there that could could work interesting very interesting so uh, let's talk about um, let's talk about the demand for green concrete from the marketplace um, who asks for it sometimes who demands it uh, and and where where do the, where are your requests coming from we're getting them from all over the place I mean there can be homeowners that want to put it in be environmentally responsible and um, put it into their driveway or their foundation it could come from um a big tech company um a google might say we want to go as green as we possibly can we've seen city agencies do it um in some of their specs we've seen county agencies want to make their buildings green um schools have done it um so it's coming from all over the place and it's usually at the owner level yeah very good and uh, the owners um get a little bit of education they'll say oh man i want to make this the greenest building i can make it and then they learn a little bit about the reality of making things green which includes you know buying local materials total carbon footprints epds and such like that correct they get education from owners get education from the architects engineers and those a lot of times get them from us so um they they i mean everybody wants to go as green as they possibly can but they need to be realistic about it yeah yeah, that's where I think, you know, open dialogue, open communication between owner, contractor, supplier, right? That's where that three-headed monster becomes critical of everyone being on the same same page, right? It's not that it can't be done or shouldn't be done, but um, if you don't get on the same page, there can it's different, right? And, and there are different challenges. There's challenges in everything we do, but different challenges sometimes when you're working on green projects what are some of the challenges at the ground level um, for uh, placing green concrete um, that that folks really need to be uh, acutely aware of Um, the the main thing is everything is just slower Um, the set times are slower and the strength gain is slower we've we've seen um, concrete sit on the ground for up to 12 hours when it's cold out and and um, high cement replacement and a lot of times owners will allow up to 126 days to get concrete strength rather than the conventional um, 28 days so everything's just slower in general yeah so the conventional time is is 28 days to get to the prescribed or specified strength, strength. yeah and um, sometimes this will go 56 and beyond 56 and beyond correct 56 all the way up to 126 we've seen okay so contractors need to work that into their schedule and um, the more they learn about those um, uh, guidelines the better they're going to be in in delivering the final product right exactly the the happier the owner is going to be if everyone's having an open dialogue from the get-go and then uh, the final strength is um, can be higher, if I understand correctly, on these um, 
replacement mixes, right? Correct. In, in general, um, concrete, uh, green concrete is um, significantly stronger long-term. Long good, good. Uh, you might want to add, too, that yeah, go ahead, Max. with um, longer times, it also acts different. So it could cause a false set or the bleed comes up quick. And we've seen people um, kind of, or contractors, where they finish the slab too too soon and then it, it gets some cracking. So that's, it does act different too. You don't, it's not just time. Good. Good. Um, and we're, we're a great resource, right? Obviously we're going to, we're going to help folks um, through uh, both um, our data set experience, being on the job site on occasion um, and really getting folks up to speed. Yeah. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're partners in in those projects, right? Because at the end of the day, if something goes wrong, we're going to be there. So we'd we'd rather be there with you the whole way as opposed <laughs> to just just when it goes south. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. As an interesting aside, uh, most of you started in the lab. Why don't you talk about the way you worked in Granite Rocks Lab as at the start of your career? And what that provided for you in your career arc and what it provides for you in your understanding of products and product delivery to the customers. Sure, I worked in the lab for three years at, at the concrete side of the lab. Um, started by taking cylinder samples and breaking them and being out in the field and learning what concrete is, what different mix designs are, why they're used, and what, what they can and can't do, whether they can finish easily, whether they can pump, whether they can't pump, and um, took that foundation um, and brought, got more technical with it, started to be design mixes and submit them into more and more technical projects over time. From there, um, I was able to use all that knowledge to um, begin my sales career, knowing, knowing what can and can't be done and have a good, solid, solid backbone on everything concrete can and can't do. And um, it, it's been a great, it's a very, very good building block for me, and it I don't think I'd be where I am today without without that. So very similar to me um, with Zach's um, start there in the lab. So I started same position doing breaking concrete, being out on job sites, um, hearing firsthand from pumpers and customers um, what they liked or didn't like or what stood out as quote-unquote different or consistent. So... Um, yeah, got got very similar backbone there um, as far as um, our concrete products. I did switch over and work on the asphalt side of our business um, for a little bit. So really a lot of just in-lab testing um, and then some uh, compaction testing out on job sites, which was great experience because a lot different operation um, from an operation standpoint of placing asphalt versus concrete, which was great experience for me, um, especially in the first um, transition out of the lab that I had, which was in sales on the asphalt side. Um, so really was much more familiar with what customers were doing with asphalt, what mattered, um, what could um, make a project um, good or bad from, from the quality side. So, so that, that helped me there. And then my next position after the asphalt side of our business was back on the concrete side. And I think just like Zach said, it sums it up for me. Um, without my experience that I'd had in the lab on the concrete side, I think it would be, be have been very difficult to transition back into a role on the concrete side and, and much less be be successful and have some confidence and be able to ask the right questions. I think um, you know you don't learn it all in the lab, but I think you learn enough to where you can ask the right questions, raise your hand when, when something doesn't uh, look, feel, taste, touch right. 
Yeah. And um, yeah. to me, that that foundation, I think for a lot of people within Granite Rock has, has been a great kickstart to their to their careers. Yeah. Um, coming to a podcast near you uh, in the future, I started in the lab is going to be the, the title. Yeah. Um, and so uh, this is a little bit of a random question. And you what guys are on the, the CIM yeah. stuff. Or, yeah. These guys actually pushed me to check it out when I was interning. So four summers, two weeks each. It's eight weeks in the lab. It's almost a year, right? <laughs> <laughs> that seemed like it. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I really enjoyed being in the lab. You get hands on stuff. Yeah. That's how I learn. And uh, it was good for me because that experience translated to everything I was learning at school for concrete industry management. Yeah. So not only learning in books, but then applying it really helped me understand it. So you went to? I went to CSU Chico okay. and uh, did the CIM or concrete industry management program. Right, which is a very robust program up there. Correct, and they also have a lab up there too, so there's good stuff, but right, good. living it, you know, it's a yeah. different story. Very good. Um, so my random question was, and you guys are obviously concrete experts, but you've got some other experience. Um, it feels to me uh, that um, concrete is a little step ahead of asphalt in answering uh, the demand for uh, green materials. Do you feel that's true? And uh, again, I know you're, it's not your area of expertise today, but um, is that, do you see that true? I, I think there's it's it's definitely more top of mind for the construction industry as a whole, and I think really what what's drive I think a couple things drive that. I think one obviously cement being um, you know the main the glue for mm -hmm. concrete, mm -hmm. right, and and understanding the um, the emissions that that come from that uh, process that obviously makes it um, top of mind for for everyone. So I think that helps like the squeaky wheel gets the oil. So. I think that's led to a little bit of that piece. I think the other one also is when you think about um, what each product is being used for, right? There's um, generally much more attention paid to a new high rise that's put up in downtown San Francisco or downtown San Jose or a new hotel that's you know down on Fisherman's Wharf in Monterey. There's much more attention paid to that as opposed to the auxiliary street that you drove on to get there. So I think all those things have have led to more focus on the ready mix side uh, as compared to asphalt. Um, but I think there's a lot of things being done on the asphalt side. Again, I'm not as, as in touch with it um, as I have been in my career, right? But you can use recycled materials, yes, um, true. warm mix asphalt. Yeah. There, there's a lot of pieces that I'm, and I'm sure there's been you know great strides made since I was even yeah. remotely involved in that. But um, yeah, I think it, it goes back to to really the the market perception when you compare the two products and just how much more attention in general is paid to the type of projects that are much more heavy concrete users. I was kind of just thinking we've got these great on-demand EPDs. Um, asphalt, I don't, we don't have that capability just yet. Um, they've got sort of general, more generalized sort of several generations ago um, EPDs. Um, let's talk about some innovation, some other programs, innovations in um, in green concrete, um, f like the Verify, uh, for example. How does how does something like Verify? What is it for the audience, and how does that uh, play into green concrete? 
So Verify is um, a product system, really quality management system um, that's on board each one of our, our trucks. So think real-time quality management. Um, it's also checking other metrics, everything from you know GPS location um, all the way to drum speed revolutions, concrete temperature, concrete slump, and those type of things. Um, so that, that system, you don't necessarily, does green doesn't jump out to you. Um, but with concrete mix designs, obviously there's a, a safety factor involved um, in that. So what Verify allows us to do is be much more consistent. Um, so the more consistent your concrete is, obviously the more dialed in you are, those safety factors go down. Um, and with those safety factors going, going down, that's a, a direct correlation to how much cement you have to have in. So... Um, if your safety factor is is less because you're more consistent and have more controlled processes, um, you're able to pull cement out, um, and everyone still feels comfortable with what you're doing. So, I think that that kind of touches on it um, for the verify piece. There are some auxiliary um, initiatives that we have through our verify system. Uh, provides a lot of data, and with that data, um, you know the, the saying we use is if you don't measure it, you can't manage it, right? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. we're we're measuring a lot of these things, but. One thing for concrete mixer trucks with fuel consumption is um, your drum speed. So both how many times you turn that drum as well as how quickly you turn that drum. So that's something we've been able to measure. Um, and we've got some initiatives around reducing how many high-speed revolutions we, we have with our trucks and how many overall we have um, really just become more, more fuel efficient. Oh, very good. Other innovations in green concrete? And do we want to talk about... Maybe sometimes it's the third rail, but um, you want to talk about pervious concrete or porous concrete? You guys are probably better on that. Yeah. For, for pervious? I don't know. For green, though? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, you'll get, you'll get lead saying. points for, um, for using for pervious in parking lots and such. Yeah, I think the idea behind that isn't so much the mixed composition, although it does use less cement, which yeah. is a good piece of it. Um, but it does responsibly uh, direct rainwater back to where it would have been if yeah. there wasn't a hard paving on top of it. Yeah. And some of your, um, your key uh, recommendations when you have somebody order a, a pervious concrete mix, what do you guys tell them? Uh, really the thing is making sure that they're certified or at least understand they know the product before they order a truck because what are their usual pitfalls what's a newbie so the the tricky to? part with pervious is the the slump or water content you want it to be very very low but that makes it really hard to place so usually the the thing to make placing easier is adding water right so once you do that then the mix gets too wet that means cement will will slide into the voids and then it's no longer pervious it's mm -hmm. just concrete at that point so so it's um more like placing asphalt really than it is like pouring concrete right you kind of want to tamp it into place and not definitely not finish it with all your trowels right all right so what is the future state of a uh, green green concrete and granite green well, i think the future state of of green concrete for our industry as a whole i think that's the the million dollar question, right? The cement industry is is changing rapidly. I think the first thing we'll 
we'll see in California will be type 1L cement. So a cement that's produced at the same plants, similar process, um, but just uh, reduced carbon um, footprint for that. Um, I don't think there'll be a huge impact there to the market. The way I see that playing out is, you know, pick a day. And in that day, most people will either spec out or say the 1L cement is acceptable. And at that point, I think the industry will, Bay Area market will basically flip a switch, right, to that that type of cement. Um, but long term, that you know, that's not going to get them to the, the numbers they need to get to. So uh, long term, there'll be a lot of changes, I think, with uh, the cement industry and mart and how that impacts our market um the other piece is you know again back to there being a lot of attention on concrete and green concrete is that you know there's a lot of innovation happening with with companies forming new products new ideas um so i'd be fooled to think you know the silver bullet is out there but i'd also be a fool to think maybe it's not right or, or people aren't working on it so i think all those things will come come to light and the the cream will rise to the top there as far as what goes on to to make concrete greener i think the reality for for the market is whoever, whatever product that that may end up being you know most suppliers if not all will then have access to do that and do that so that's where i think it's still the differentiator becomes you know back to the local piece right and and local products and I think the the focus we have on quality right that will always drive uh, green because the more consistent you can be um, the more you know your materials, the better off you're going to be in, in, in designing your, your mixes. Very good. Well, gentlemen, Max, Zach, Mike, I sure appreciate uh, the education on green concrete and granite green. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you.